The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. This morning, we have a very special friend of mine, Stuart Emery. Stuart has been with us before. We've had the the good fortune to be speaking with him in the past, and he has agreed to come again and enlighten us with more of his wisdom. And that's important because Stuart is an acclaimed educator, an author, and a world-class speaker, and he really has devoted his entire life to the study of human potential. He was the first CEO of Ask. He has written several books, um, some of them international bestsellers, such as Built to Last, Good to Great, and Success Built to Last, which he co-wrote with Horace and Thompson. He's now working on some new books, his most recent, Who's in Your Room? And we're going to find out who is in his room. And Stuart, welcome to Leading Conversations this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Cheryl, it's uh, delightful to be back on the show with you. Now, I love every time we get together and we get to chat, and I admire the work that you're doing because it's important, and I appreciate all the people who listen in and then revisit on uh, the uh, web access for the uh, conversation, so that's great. Absolutely. So, where are you today? Where are you calling from? I'm actually uh, in my uh, home office on uh, Belvedere Island, looking out over the Golden Gate Bridge in the city of San Francisco, so it's quite nice. It is a beautiful day in San Francisco, absolutely. Yeah, so, okay, Stuart, let's, let's just dive right in. You have, as I said earlier, spent your almost your entire career really studying human potential, and that has been quite celebrated career that you've had. You have worked with multinational corporations. You have coached and advised CEOs. You have helped individuals to express their pure essence of who they are, and those individuals have gone on to be hugely successful. You know, with such success behind you and still going strong after this many years in your career... How are you staying fresh in this business? How are you not getting to the point where you feel like, been there, done that? Yeah, so um, actually I had, a, I had a breakthrough about a year ago. A, f- a friend called Alex Vandosian, who's a, an Internet marketer, he, uh, he's pretty aggressive at that. Mm-hmm. But he came over one morning for coffee, and um, you know those who know me well, including you, know that I'm in the coffee. Mm-hmm. Seriously, in the coffee, I actually cup coffees that uh, uh, go to Thomas Keller's restaurant, the French Laundry, and uh, yeah. the Boulangeries, and uh, uh, the, the Bouchon Bakery. So um, I 
was making Alex a coffee, and he said, you know, he said, I realize that you're known for your career in the human potential movement, but I don't think that's actually what keeps you going. He said, I just think you're in the potential business, and sometimes it involves human beings. Mm. But right now I'm watching you extract all of the potential from mm. what you told me is artisanal grown coffee bean, uh, organically grown in the shades of uh, Guatemala and uh, Panama, and blended together and roasted lovingly seven days ago. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I love and and I realized, actually, that is what I'm about. Uh, obviously, when you're extracting the potential of all things, human beings are involved. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's Absolutely. not just about the human potential. It's about the potential of all aspects of life and the things that we touch to mm-hmm. be fully revealed. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Alex is a smart guy. And, you know, Stuart, I, I see that in you, and I'm wondering, you know, what is your own potential that you are wanting to tap? Well, I, I can never remember a time when I wasn't passionately curious about mm-hmm. what allows things to be great, what allows things to work, mm-hmm. and what stops them from working. And something kind of amusing happened over the weekend. I had about eight emails from, on the one day from people who'd read an article on sous vide cooking in the New York Times. So they sent me a copy of the article. And on that day, I got more emails to do with cooking and coffee mm. than I did with the traditional human potential movement. Okay. I thought, well, the world seems to be saying I've moved on in some way. Uh, but mm. I... I just love, uh, for example, when I cook now, because I'm trying to be a really exceptionally good cook, um, I notice when I look at the at what the restaurants call the product. So uh, the other week it was mussels, and I was cooking for a chef who cooks for the Obamas. And, and so I was doing mussels for him. He's from New Orleans, so he's seriously good at what he does. And I remember looking at those mussels that have been picked hours before I collected them from the fish purveyor. And I'm looking at them, and I notice that my mind process is, how do I honor this resource? How do I honor this food? Mm-hmm. How do I bring forth from this uh, raw material, as it were, from this product, as restaurants call it, these mussels, as the rest mm-hmm. of us call them, how do I bring forth everything they have to offer and enhance and intensify their flavor and provide a wonderful experience for the people who will meet our journey and my dinner guest tonight? Mm. And that was how I approached it. So that really is being in the potential business. Mm. And, and humans are, are a necessary part of that process of the delivering the potential of the resources. Because in a... You know, we don't have infinite resources. Resources are constrained in some way. Mm -hmm. And so it seems to me a spiritual thing to do is to maximize how best to bring forth their intrinsic value. And so that got me to think about one of my pet peeves of the human potential movement as it's misconceived, Mm -hmm. which are these people who say, well, I'm going to transform, then I'm going to go out and do something. 
Yeah. Well, that's really backwards because it is in the doing of something that you actually transform. Mm. Mm. And when we did Success Built to Last, and, you know, in that book, we, we interviewed some seriously successful people. Uh, we had Gates, we had Buffett, we had Steve Jobs, Michael Dell, um, Desmond Tutu, Nelson Mandela. Um, well, it was an endless list. Uh, Muhammad Yunus, who won the Nobel Peace Prize shortly yeah. after we interviewed him, and and what people always ask me on on the inevitable television shows you do, which are great experiences when you do a book, is well, what did you learn? What what do these people have in common? Uh, because you're trying to say what what are these irreducible traits, and what we found appeared to be the irreducible traits is that they had all found what it was that they loved to do or they considered to be their calling. Often, not through any grand design of their own. You might argue that life was what happened to them while they're making other plans and then suddenly there they were in the midst of what it was they loved to do. Yes. So having gotten that far, the next thing they said about doing is doing it really well. So, so we're working on another book called Whatever You Are, Be a Good One, because we found the irreducible common denominator in the lives of these amazing people was mm. they had found what it was they loved to do, and they had learned to become truly world-class at it and sometimes mm. the very best in the world at it. Mm. And then taking it a bit further... The way they went about doing it in the world resulted in them living a life that was a gift to the world. Well, and so many people who have been successful are told time and time again, you will never be able to do X, fill in the blank. That is not possible. And yet they continue to move forward, believing in themselves. Do you think there's a quality in those people that is innate that allows them to keep moving forward, or do you think that's something they can learn? Well, this becomes the uh, age-old, is it nature or is it nurture? Mm. I suppose the short answer is yes. However, (laughs) um, the, the most recent research was a huge project done out of the University of Florida by a fellow called Erickson. Um, I think it was called In Search of Excellence. Not not quite that. I can't remember the title at the moment. It was about the the pursuit of excellence. It was about called Uh Pursuit of Excellence. And they looked at the lives of people who'd achieved uh, extraordinary levels of performance in in many fields. So the diverse field, the arts, the sciences, so on and so forth. And um, they make the argument that we're not actually born with a particular talent to do anything in specific. Now, we are born, some of us, with physical limitations. Mm. And, and some of us seem to be born with more what we'll call IQ than others, based on the way it's traditionally measured. And then you can argue about, is that a valid measurement? Mm. So, for example, Asian people usually score much better than American people on IQ tests, but that's because IQ tests based on pattern recognitions, and if you uh, have to learn an Asian language that uses uh, the 
symbols that uh, Japanese and Chinese use, right. then you train them pattern recognition from a very early age, and we're not trained that way in this culture. Mm-hmm. So when you set all of that aside, obviously, if you're six foot six, you're not going to be an Olympic gymnast, and if you're five feet, you're not going to be an NFL or, or an NBA player. But setting aside those, obviously, physical constraints... When you go beyond that, there's not a lot of evidence that says uh, talent is born. There's more evidence to say talent is made after you're born. And that just takes work. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, of course, of, that, yeah, that means sorry. that the, the environment as a child really matters and how one is parented really matters. And... You know, I think that, that I've said for a long time, I wish they would teach people how to be parents so that, you know, as they are nurturing the next generation, the next leaders of the world, you know, there's a bit more intention because, you know, it seems to be hit and miss. It seems to be some people are great at it, other people are not so great at it. And if someone who didn't have great parents or didn't have a good solid environment that taught discipline and curiosity and, you know, a sense that there was a lot possible in the world view, then that child may grow up to be an adult who is not really achieving his or her own potential, right? Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, I have a friend who's a farmer. Uh, he grows soybeans and corn in Kansas. At right where the yellow brick road leads to his farm. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but, but um, he, he takes me out to meet his new foreman. And his new foreman has a master's degree in agricultural biology and various other things uh, from a respectable university. And uh, my friend, you know, I meet the, meet the new foreman and we go back and... Uh, we have a beer, and he starts to tell me of the difficulties having with his teenage daughter, and he, he rather suspects that she's an alien. And uh, and uh, I said, well, God, I was really curious. Is and you introduced me to uh, your foreman, and to get a, gr- a, a job on your farm, uh, an applicant needs a string of degrees. I said, what qualifications do you need to become a parent other than you, you know, do the mm-hmm. deed one night? And he started laughing, and he said, yeah, that's pretty much how it went down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Now, having really said is. that, you know, we still don't know uh, where we watch parents apparently go about parenting a child according to all of the best theories and, and practices that we're aware of. And the child ends up a drug addicted and suicidal. Right. And we watch children with horrendous childhoods become preeminent in a field. Mm. And we actually don't know why. Yes. I mean, we make up theories until we find one that people like. But at the end of the day, as you can imagine, I've been talking about this to knowledgeable people for my entire life. And we all say at the end of the day, we wished we knew for sure why and how and what, but we don't. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I mean, we're clear that some things are generally better than others. In other words, mm. the battle doesn't always go to the strongest or the race to the swiftest, but it's the way to bet. Right. So there are ways to bet that we're pretty clear about. Right. Uh, right. But no bet's a sure thing. Mm. It's just a probable thing. So, so I love the way you say that because it is important for everyone to realize that you are not your upbringing. You are not your parents. You are, you have potential that is way beyond that. So tell me how people, how do most people get to the point where they really want more out of themselves. Where does that come from? Well, I, I, I think um, I love the way it was put by Joseph Campbell. I know you're a fan of Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. He made mythology a respectable science. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's an oxymoron, but he did. And mm-hmm. I remember he was he was 85, and I was out at a, at a dinner last night with some friends from TLC, uh, who you know, and uh, uh, I we drove past the uh, Skywalker Ranch. And when he was 85, uh, he, he was interviewed by Moyer, Bill Moyer, at the Skywalker Ranch. And um, Moyer said, well, Joe, he said, you know, surely, I mean, what makes people look for meaning? Because isn't that what we all, we want some sense of meaning, some sense of making more of ourselves? And uh Joe said, well, he said, I know that's kind of respectable thinking in, in, in your part of the world. He said, but actually, I don't think that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm listening up, right? Or I'm watching the, the tape. And he said, you know, it seems to me that what people really want is a wonderful experience of being alive while they still are. So that, I've been mindful about that because back in 1971, I serendipitously met a fellow called Werner Earhart. And he heard that I'd been leading what they call tea groups in the United States, rather in Australia. And sometimes they call them tea groups in, in the United States. And so he asked me to lead a group on the occasion of his birthday for he and his staff. And he was at the time the lead and star mind dynamics instructor, and I'd come over because I was going to take mind dynamics back to Australia. So we met, and he said, well, I hear you do these groups. Would you do one for me and my staff? I said, certainly. And it was the weekend of the birthday, so we repaired to the Sir Francis Drake Hotel in San Francisco and did a 72-hour marathon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Werner, bless his heart, paid me up front, so I thought, well, i really got to do this. And... Um, I thought, what am I going to, how am I going to theme it? It needs a theme or it's going to be really useful. So I walked into the Town Hall Metaphysical Bookstore. I don't even know whether it's still there on Union Square. And I found a little red-covered book with a four-box model on the front. Mm-hmm. And at the title of the book was Aliveness. And in the box there was health, wealth, happiness, and full self-expression. So we made the theme of that marathon with Ernie's people about aliveness. And that became the core promise of Esther. It was about aliveness. Now, if we fast forward, and gosh, 40 years, I can't believe it, but it is 40 years over, 40 years, 42. Huh? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, 
I think to myself, still about aliveness. Yeah. It's still about aliveness. And I, I've become very enamored of Thurman's quote, who was one of Martin Luther King's mentors. And Thurman uh, said, or asserted, don't ask what the world needs. Mm. Ask what makes you come alive and go and do that. Mm. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. Mm. And I just think that's the deal. And so it is in the doing of something that brings you alive, that the transformation occurs, that that rule of, uh, I don't know, it was Charlie Brown, or, or, or no, it was Woody Allen who said to Andy Poe, no, Andy Warhol, 80% of life is showing up. One of those three oh, people yeah. said that. Oh, Maybe yeah. all three of them said it. <laughs> all three of right? them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you see that. So I was sitting at the soft opening of my girlfriend's, uh, these two women who've been together for years and have a business called Equator Coffee. We're actually Equator Estates Coffee and Teas. Mm. And in 2013, they were nominated and won as the best uh, roaster in the world. Mm. And so I've been bugging them to go into retail. I said, I think it's great that you supply... Uh, Thomas Keller's restaurants, and French Laundry and Per Se, and uh, the Vuchon Bakery. But, you know, the, that, that business is, things can happen. And I think, you know, retail is important. You need a retail presence. So they open, they've just opened this beautiful, beautiful location in Mill Valley across from the Book Depot on a corner that used to be a coffee shop. And this is just beautiful. It, it's like uh, the Apple Store of Coffee. It, it doesn't look like an Apple store, but the design cues are just spectacular. Bright Ferrari red, Lama Zoga espresso machine, uh-huh. countertops, uh, leather, slate. It's just beautiful. So I'm, I'm looking at these young people who are just alive, who are serving there and, and creating this. And I said, what is it about for you? She said, well, they said, well, it's clearly more about than just the coffee. We feel by doing something we love and doing it well and giving people a wonderful experience of good coffee and good food, we're rescuing America from big food, big chemicals, big industry. We're taking the world back for everybody. And I think, and we feel alive when we're doing it. I said, uh, that's the deal. I love we're it. here for a break. Okay. I love it. So we will be right back with Stuart Emery. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. For 27 years, Kidstar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. Kidstar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. And we need your help. Kidstar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Harmony Hagedorn. And I'm Angela Maris. From the Angela and Harmony Show on Voice America Kids. Kidstar, we empower kids. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Well, welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we're speaking with Stuart Emery, a, a renowned, world-renowned, internationally acclaimed educator most recently, author of Who's in Your Room? The quality of your life depends on the people in your life. So, Stuart, let's talk about this. I know that this has been something that's been really important to you, and you've been talking about this concept for a couple of years now. Tell us about this concept, Who's in Your Room? Well, the concept came from a friend and co-author of the book, which we're now expanding since we privately published it to start with, uh, called Rick Sapio. And again, it was an event with Alex Mandosian. I had a meeting with a book agent, uh, Bonnie Sola, who you may know, and Alex Mm. and myself, and Alex was running late. Alex is almost never late, although he complains that I'm chronically on time. But anyhow, he, (laughs) he burst through the door about 15 minutes late, profuse apologies, and he said on the way down his phone rang, and usually he doesn't answer it, but he did, and it was his friend Rick Sapio asking him to Necker Island. That's Branson's Island. Uh, not yeah. with Branson, but a group of people having a conference of entrepreneurship. And, uh, and Alex said, well, I can't come because i got this, that, and the other, and he went on about all the reasons he couldn't do it. And uh, Rick said, Alex, pull over. We need to talk. So Alex dutifully pulled over. And Rick said, do you need a doorman? And, and uh, Alex said, what I need a doorman for? I don't even have a circular drive. So anyhow, <laughs> long story short, uh, Rick said, you know, you've got too much going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need a doorman to sort out who's in your room. Mm-hmm. And so he said, because you say yes to everything. So anyhow, we started talking about the book um, and Alex and... Uh, Said, so, well, we should call it addicted to yes. I said, no, we shouldn't. That sounds like a 12 step um, mm-hmm. process for uh, sexually active women, so I don't think we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, but uh, why don't we call it Who's in Your Room? But the idea of the book is really important, and it, it's kind of filled out. The idea is simple. Just imagine you spend your life in this one room. And what's unusual about the room is that it only has one door, which in and of itself isn't unusual, but this one door is a one-way door. 
So whatever comes into your room, whoever comes into your room, is with you in the room of your life for the rest of your life. Mm. Now, if that were true, would you choose more carefully? I bet we would. And be- yeah, and, I, and before we argue about whether it's true or not, it clearly isn't literally true in the physical world. But it is true as far as the brain is concerned because the holographic nature of the mind and the brain and whatever mm. all of that is and consciousness means anything that comes and gets stored somewhere and then can show up to influence and impact our behaviors in the future in ways that are dictated by the past and usually without our consciousness, which makes it very dangerous a lot of the time. So I say to people, would you be willing to live as if it were true? So if you go back and say, well, you know, I had a great teacher once, so they obviously were in your room or you were in their room. So another aspect of the book is not only who's in your room and what's in your room, but whose room are you in? And if I look at people who are very successful, one, they got thoughtful about the company they kept. I notice people who decide this is what they love to do and they make the commitment to become good at it. I now don't want to hang around people who complain and talk about the weather. I want to hang out with other people who are up to something. Yes. Right? So they're the people I invite into their room. But there's another side of that. Joni and I uh, love Monday nights because we get to watch and listen to a show called The Voice. Mm. And I think, you know, we think it's the best singing show on television and we love the people who are the coaches and judges, yeah. uh, people like Blake Shelton and uh, uh, Adam Levine, who and, and then the other two judges rotate every uh, season. Right. Um, but I watch these people who want to leave their regular day job and pursue their passion or the thing they love to do of music. And so they do blind editions and the chairs turn around and they get selected to start being on the show and then it progresses. And I notice that when they get in the room of one of those coaches, their lives change. Yeah. Because they get mentored by somebody who's passionate about mentoring uh, emerging artists mm. and who in arm themselves are world-class musicians and it turns out they're world-class mentors. So when we go back to this, is it nature or is it nurture? Yeah. And if you look at if you look at people who had disastrous childhoods and yet turned out really well, and children who appeared to have marvelous childhoods and didn't turn out as well, mm. another common denominator they seem to have is they got in the room yeah. of somebody who changed their lives in a good way. You know, we watch kids get in the room of people or invite people into their room to change their lives in bad ways. They join gangs and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I notice that if if I start really inquiring into the lives of people who are doing really well in the world and loving their lives, then somewhere along the way, they invited into their room or they were invited into the room. Mm of a person 
that changed their lives. It could have been a teacher, it could have been a friend. Yeah. Usually it was somebody who inspired them. And so uh, the book has evolved a lot because it started out just who's in your room. Now we're writing a third part of the book, which is, okay, whose room are you in? And yeah. how do you get there? And do you get there for the right reasons? And then well, I think that's, piece. A, that's an important piece there, you know. How do you get there? Because someone who isn't, um, who doesn't grow up in the circles of people who, or have access to people who could make a huge difference in their lives, um, you know, may think, well, that's not possible for me. And so, oh, how do you coach them into finding that specific person for them? Um, I suppose... Yeah, we all we want tips, tools, and how to. And I look at my own life, Cheryl, and uh, you know I came from a, a poor background, um, and the only thing that I can remember as was always curious. Yeah. And uh, for reasons I don't understand, I mean I wasn't a popular kid at school. Uh, I got teased and bullied a lot, and then when I went to boarding school, it was a boarding school for wealthy children. I was a poor kid there on a scholarship because I thought I was bright. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, a boarding school was horrendous for me, and I, I went out into the world with a chip on my shoulder, and after having been voted the least likely to succeed because I didn't live up to their academic aspirations for me, um, I suppose I went out in the world and said, I'll show them. So what propelled me initially was anger. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 there seems to be serendipitous elements in life. But if I think about myself, it never occurred to me that I couldn't get good at something that really mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I always thought, being good at something mattered, and people who were good at things mattered. And so it was this uh, this mindset, as it were. And although I, to begin with, didn't have any access, by pursuing my own values, that... Doing things well matters. Excellence yeah. matters. I find today I have access to people in the world who are the best in the world at what they do. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so one thing led to another. And, uh, but, I, but I think you know, an important part of who's in your room is the section there. You've really got to know what your values are. Now, yeah. that, that gets misused because we tend to think of, well, these are the values I ought to have and these are the values I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And they're not the values we're looking for. We're looking for what actually matters to you. Yes. But you've yeah. got to go into your soul for that. It can't be, well, so many so many friends on Twitter. It can't be that, obviously. So obviously. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I like... Keegan from Harvard, who talks about the socialized mind, yes. the self-authoring mind, and the self-transforming mind. Mm-hmm. And at some point along the way, I mean, I was thrilled when I found out that people succeed in life 
uh, in a way that's inversely proportional to how successfully they were socialized in school. So when I found out that the failure to be a social success in school was positively correlated with the highest levels of success in life, a fellow was suddenly off the hook of a disastrous career at school. Uh, Because people have got to begin to think for themselves. Um, Well, you know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering about this whole concept of, you know, serendipity, because what I have seen sometimes is people miss opportunity simply because they're not paying attention. And uh, right, you know, and other times I see that people miss opportunity because they haven't even conceptualized that there is something bigger for them. And so, you know, that's where I I absolutely agree with you around developing that deep self-awareness, really understanding who you are, what matters to you. When I work with my clients, the CEOs, the senior leaders, people who are very, very smart, you know, have made a lot of big things happen, it is fascinating to me how much even those successful people can shut down who they are. They can shut down being in touch with themselves. And through work on self-awareness and really digging deep into them, we transform their leadership. We transform who they are with their community, with their family. Um, I have had family members of individuals who I have coached. When they meet me, they say, thank you. Oh, thank you. And because it has completely transformed their lives as well. And, And that element is so often... Um, dismissed. Is so I think that it is dismissed. Um, I, when it comes to coaching and, and cultural interventions, we're just looking at perhaps people are trying to get me out of retirement to do an intervention for one of the world's biggest software companies. And uh, what, one of the people I like a lot is uh, David Cooper, writer out of Case Western. Yeah, and this yeah. whole idea of uh, appreciative inquiry. Yes. Because, you know, in the consulting world, we tend to go in there and to solve a problem. While we're there, we find problems the company didn't even know they have to guarantee lifetime employment for right. ourselves. Right. Uh, and, and I, Joni, I didn't like doing that so well. So Cooper Rider, we thought, was brilliant. Uh, and I have found in coaching sessions, it's amazing what happens when you sit down with a senior executive and ask them repeatedly the question, tell me something that works about you. Yes. What is it do you think that works about you? Mm-hmm. And, and they'll give you all of these things which have absolutely nothing to do with what actually works about them. And then when you start saying, well, you know, my perception is this is what I think about works about you. This is my mm-hmm. experience of you. And when, when, when people can, in this way, get in in touch with their soulful strengths and their their good-hearted genius. Mm, I love that. Uh, things change in good ways, and 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 they become much more successful because of an alignment 
uh, to use a cliche, between their head and their hearts. You know, people, people who know me well know that I can be very hard and sometimes harsh. And I was talking with Barnett Bain, who, who you know. Yes. And so we were doing this exercise with each other. And I said, so Barnett, what do you think works about me? Mm. He said, oh, you're a great lover. Mm. I said, uh, excuse me? <laughs> and he said, how do you I, know he said <laughs> and you know this how? <laughs> and, That's great. <laughs> Well, he said, no, no. Talking to him. <laughs> he said, but I, I think, you know, you could consider changing the name of who's in your room to get a room and make love to life. He said, because you make love to life. Oh, that's brilliant. He said, I watch you go into Mitch's uh, coffee cafe in Malibu. And he said, I watch you walk in there and you light the room up. He said, because you just love what's going on. I watch you love the baristas there, and you love the coffee, you know. And not in a trite way, not in, oh, well, I love this, I love that, because you don't ever say it that way. But the spirit of how you are present in all of those situations is as a man or as a person who loves. And uh, I had never, ever, ever thought of myself that way. Oh. Ever. That would be uh, pretty much the last way I would think about myself. So but he said, well, you're the good news, to the bring good out news the is, is that we keep learning, right? We keep discovering Correct. new ways of being and new ways of interpreting who we are and how we show up. You know, that, that statement that Barnett made to you is such a wonderful gift. And what a brilliant compliment. How did that... How did that affect you? Uh, it affects me because it's one of those pivotal moments where you, you know, you see these uh, reverse videos of a broken car windshield, you know, when you hit a glass that doesn't break, it, sh yeah. it goes crazy so you can't see through it. If you play it backwards, then it goes to a clear, to a clarity. And so for me, it was like that. You know, the, the cracks in the glass that obscured some of my view of my presence in the world yeah, only was yeah. clear. And so you say, well, why do I care about the potential in things? Well, it's mm. bringing out the potential things is, in fact, an act of love. And I was a person, you know this, Cheryl, you've known me for a long time, yeah. that, that, that when I hear people just using the word love carelessly, I find it profoundly mm -hmm. irritating. Yes, yes. I'm with you on that. Yes. Well, so, we're going to be, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Stuart Emery, the lover. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa 
Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest and my very special friend, Stuart Emery. Stuart. So we ended the last segment with you telling us about how one of your friends, Arnett Bain, said you're a great lover. And you said, and how do you know that? <laughs> I love that. Correct. Leave it to Barnett. Leave it to Barnett. We love him. He's a beautiful director and producer of movies and just beautiful creative being. And so well, he did. I, you know, I, he won... An Academy Award for this wonderful movie he made with Robin Williams called What Dreams May Come. Yes, he did. And then he did Homeless to Harvard that was nominated for an Emmy. And so he's, he's just done this delicious book on creativity for uh, Simon Schuster uh, at the Atrium Book Division. And, uh, and so he's a wonderful, wonderful person and one of my dear friends. And so, uh, you know, in a sense, we do have a love affair, but... Um, <laughs> You know, still when he said that, uh, I thought, well, how does he know? But but it really changed the way I think about things. Yeah. Uh, and then if I if I if I look at again people who are successful, you know, we've heard the phrase, "You got to love what you do." Mm-hmm. Uh, but what does that mean? I mean, this yeah. word "love" is. Is kind of elusive, and it's not an intellectual reality love. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think it's a verb. Mm-hmm. I think it's a state of consciousness. 
Yes. I went back and found some tapes of myself from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and I thought, God, how do I... I couldn't possibly have said that. It wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and you know that when you're in the flow, something comes through you and people ask you to repeat it, and you can't. You can't. I know. Yeah. But but I did a thing called conscious love and, and, and defined conscious love as conscious love has as its only impassioned desire that the beloved fully actualize their own inherent potential irregardless of the consequences for the lover. Mm. It's a totally selfless thing. But I notice I use all of those words, actualize potential, bring out the best in things. And I I really do think it's a state of of how you show up in the world. Yes. And... uh, you know, I'm also a great fan of Eckhart Tolle and this idea of presence. What is the quality of your presence? Mm-hmm. And and I really do think that Jerry Jampolsky had it right when he said love is letting go of fear. Mm-hmm. Then we say, well, why are people fearful? And they're fearful because they don't trust themselves to flourish in the world living a life that's true to themselves. Um. Do you believe that if somebody is doing what they love, the money will follow? You know, that's that phrase that is tossed around very loosely. Well, it's tossed around loosely. Uh, so we, we both know Lynn Twist and we love and admire her. Yes. And And she doesn't talk about poor people as being without money. She calls them um, resource constrained. Resource. They don't have access to resources. Right. Um, and that can take very many forms. Uh, and uh, and so I find that if people can truly get their heart and their head aligned and come to soulful truths rather than intellectual delusions Mm. about what truly matters to them. Because you've got to delve through the scar tissue of aggressive socialization sometimes. Mm. Or or the scar tissue of rebellion in the attempts of other people to influence a person. To get to what others simply call a soulful truth of what matters, what's important, what's the heart's desire, what's the soul's yeah. desire. But I find when people will do that work, and that's the work you do in your coaching with people, Cheryl, when people do that work and commit to expressing that in the way that their life is a gift to the world, mm-hmm. I truly can say in all of the instances I'm aware of, having explored, including in my own life, the resources you need show up. That's an important concept because, you know, I I think that people get stuck and part of what they get stuck in is the concept of money. And, you know, and there's so many uh, psychological and emotional charges around money. And, 
if people can begin to reframe that, as Lynn has done so eloquently, they may then not feel so afraid, right? Correct. And Right? So, yeah. So, as I watch people become good at doing something they love in the world and creating value and and honoring the experience of other people, they live less fearfully. They're less afraid, and therefore the experience of being lovers is more available to them, and they can start to live mm-hmm. from that space. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Well, Stuart, we only have about half a minute left, so people are definitely going to want to know more about you and how to reach you. How do you do that? Uh, Stuart at StuartEmory.com. It is lovely having you here. I always love speaking to you. You are such an amazing, brilliant soul, and I always feel so much integrity from you. And, you know, you have been a gift to this world, and you continue. Even though you could just kick back and not do anything... You know, that's not you. That's not you. And I just love that you you want to continue to be of value in this world. Thank you, Thank Stuart you. Emery, for being with us today. Thank you, Cheryl, for having me. It's, I'm grateful. Goodbye, everybody. Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of the conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.